Do you love watching sports highlights? Five Star, the world's first sports highlight rating app is here. Athletes and fans can share, view, and rate the best sports highlights between one and five stars. The app is comment-free and has athletes of all skill levels, even pros like Kylie O'Miller, Kyle Harrison, and the 2022 PLL MVP, Trevor Baptiste. Download Five Star Highlights to earn yours. Quintessential Lacrosse Podcast rolls into March as we spring forward this week. As of the recording uh, today, there are five un- unbeaten teams in Division I men's lacrosse. Virginia just beat Hopkins on Tuesday night. Notre Dame remains un- unbeaten. Cornell, uh, Dartmouth with a win this week. And UMBC Delaware has yet to face off as we're recording this on Tuesday. So five unbeatens. The, the number keeps shrinking every week. Some good action this weekend. Friday, got Loyola and Duke on the ESPN+. Plus. These are all ESPN Plus games. Denver, Yale this Saturday. Penn State Cornell at noon on Saturday on plus Ohio State Notre Dame's a two o'clock game Nova Penn another good one from Philadelphia 330 I'll have Towson and Virginia at four and Johns Hopkins and Syracuse face off at four as well those are all on ESPN plus so it should be a, an interesting weekend it's one of the last weekends of non-conference play which is uh, significant this time of year as we bring in Liam Entman of Notre Dame coming off a, a non-conference win over Maryland uh, and and a, a really exciting time. You guys are coming off a win over Georgetown out of the Big East. You get to play Maryland out of the Big Ten, uh, and your next two opponents will be uh, Ohio State and Michigan out of the Big Ten. But uh, Liam, welcome in. I know this is a busy time at school. It's kind of midtermish. Uh, I, I get the sense that guys are dealing with midterms right now. Yes, yeah, so thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, so it's midterm week right now. Um, I kind of got myself out of the way the first two days, which is nice. I can you know really focus in on Ohio State now these next few days. Um, yes, midterm week here in South Bend, but you know, everyone's, you know, I think doing a really good job managing uh their time and and they realize how important this weekend is for us. Irish are unbeaten, four and zero. Uh Liam's coming off a 14 save outing at College Park, a big win, triple overtime. Uh goalie from Notre Dame, grew up on Long Island and uh point lookout, Lieutenant Chaminade. Uh take me back. Let's talk a little bit about the Maryland game. Uh the tension was just so high late in that game. I mean, gosh, the last five minutes of regulation and then multiple overtimes. Uh how'd how'd you deal with the stress and, and the tension of overtimes? I mean, yeah, it was definitely a very high intensity game. There's no there's no questioning that. Uh, I think that the one thing I ch- kept trying to say to myself throughout the game, and it was something that um actually at the beginning of the third overtime, Chris Fake kind of brought the defense together and basically said, like, this is the type of game that we dream of playing. And you know, this is the this is the type of game that you know, when you're in the backyard, this is the, you know, this, the, the ground ball or the save or the goal that you're, you know, you're trying to make that play happen for your team. So I think that I kind of said to myself, like, you know, where else would you rather be right now? And this is, this is the, this is the game that everyone kind of had circle on their calendar for the, for this weekend. And I'm thankful enough to be playing in it, or I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be playing it. And I'm thankful for that. So um, I think that's what kept me kind of calm was just realizing this is the stuff that I've, you know, been, been, been dreaming of my whole life. Um, now, with that being said, it was definitely high intensity. I've never played in front of a crowd that day before. I think there was about 6,000 people there. So definitely a big crowd. And um, just so I think because the, the the way the stadium was made, the, the sound was kind of echoing and um, definitely felt even louder and felt like there was even more people than 6,000. Um, but I definitely, um, yeah, just very thankful to be a part of that game. And it was definitely one of those games that you can look back at and say, you know, definitely one of those instant classic kind of matchups. And I was, you know, again, very thankful to be a part of it. You know, when you play in front of a big crowd, I, I, I found it to be really exciting. Uh, you know, the adrenaline gets flowing and, and it's early sometimes as warmups. You know, when you come out for that early warmup and there's like already people lined up outside the locker room or near the field and you can just feel it. 
they, they get the music going and there's just more adrenaline, which is a good thing, but it's, you got to be careful with your adrenaline when, when you're a goalie, uh, you know, how, how do you balance being excited with maintaining your focus? Yeah. I mean, that, that there's definitely an element of that or an aspect of that. I mean, their, their pregame, their pregame mix was definitely very loud and you can barely, you know, you know, hear the guy next to you during warmups. Um, I think that definitely got to, I guess this is kind of a balance. I guess that'd be the best way to answer that. You got to appreciate the moment. Like I was saying earlier, uh, while sustaining dial, I, I've come to find that one thing I've really tried to develop throughout my time here is, is staying even keeled and, you know, that, that comes in many forms that comes with, you know, if a shot goes in, you get back to, you know, back to that level point. If you make a big, big save, you go back to that same point. And it's also that, that, that also applies to the pregame. You know, you don't want your heart rate to be jacked before the uh, game even starts. And you don't want to be screaming. Like, obviously there's, there's definitely excitement, but you don't want to be screaming like, get, let's go, let's go. At least that's what I try not to do because I find that's kind of, that kind of gets me too keyed up and gets me focused on things other than, you know, a very simple job of stopping the ball is obviously great shooters, but the nature of what I'm doing is, is, is relatively simple. And I try to keep it that way. And I find that when, you know, my heart rate's really, you know, through the roof because of, you know, pumping other guys up and, and, and really letting the elements get to me, then I find I'm not at my best. I find that when I'm, when I'm at my best, I'm very, very calm and very patient and I'm not really letting them, letting the moment get to me. Not, yeah. not, sorry, not letting the moment get to me. I meant to say. As uh, we're both goalies, so we can speak the same language here. Uh, sight lines, like sight lines in every arena, every stadium uh, are going to be different depending on what time of day you guys play in a relatively small facility with with a pretty neutral backdrops. But I know like Loftus, uh, I, I played in, we, we scrimmaged Notre Dame way back in the day in Loftus. That place is a disaster for, I found it to be for, for me, for a goalie. Yeah. Now, maybe you find it differently, but I, I, I struggled. And I know a bunch of the indoor arenas around the country, uh, Ohio State and Penn State goalies uh, struggle. There are some places you just you can see the ball better. I guess it's the backdrop or the lighting. Or uh, talk to me about backdrops. Like, do you struggle in Loftus, or are you cool with it there? Uh, it's definitely different than outside. There's you know there's no dancing around that. Uh, I, I found that just because of you know the the darker backdrop, there's not you know it's not natural lighting obviously because there's you know there's lights right above your head and sometimes sometimes those lights all don't turn on so. Office is definitely a little bit harder to see the ball. Um, but I think the nice thing is the flip side of that is that when you're in Loftus all week, say it's like, you know, a cold, cold week in South Bend, like we've had plenty of those the last few years, say it's a cold week in South Bend, and then you go outside to, you know, say Georgetown or College Park, or even sometimes out to our lot, if, the, if it's nicer on the weekend, the ball is like, it, it's much brighter, it's kind of glowing, and there's a lot less distractions in the background um, outside typically. So I find that, you know, sometimes you kind of got to bite the bullet during the week and maybe not see the ball as well indoors, but then when, you know, when you're outside and, and you're seeing the ball, it's definitely, uh, definitely nice to kind of have that. But I also think with that being said, you know, it, it's hard for everybody. It's not just hard for me. It's hard for everybody to see the ball indoors. And I like to think that, you know, it's, it's a little bit hard for the Notre Dame goalies, but it's definitely hard for the visiting goalie too, because he's not, you know, he's not used to, to, to that, you know, to those sight lines and, and, and things like that. But yeah, definitely, definitely Loftus is, is a little bit uh, difficult. No, no question about that. I think the good thing about, you know, modern day lacrosse is we don't have these mud games like the month, yeah. the, the month of March used to be, I'm, I'm sure, you know, when you were a kid on Long Island, there were some hellacious mud games where you're trying to navigate a crease that, and you're sinking yeah. into the top of your cleats. Uh, 
I, I, I turn back the page to last year's game against Ohio State out, out in Columbus. That was about as cold as I can remember seeing. Uh, it was in the, I think it was in the mid-20s that day. It was brutal. Yeah, that was definitely the coldest game I've ever played in. I think youth, club, high school, college. I mean, that, I remember, I remember very distinctly my, uh, I, you know, I had my hand on my chest for the national anthem, and it was, you know, didn't I took my glove off because it was the national anthem, and my hand like fell asleep during the national anthem because of how cold it was. Like there was no, there was no blood getting to my hand. Um, yeah, that was a very cold game, but I think it's one of those things kind of similar to what I was just saying about Loftus where both sides have to deal with it. Yeah. You know, yeah, both yeah. sides had to deal with that. So we, we, uh, it's, it's, I think you could really easily point the finger at, at, at the weather last year and say, oh, like that, the weather was the reason that we lost to them. But the reality is that both sides had to deal with that. And it's not like we're coming from some beautiful, you know, place in, you know, the, the, the West coast or the, or the South, like where we're not used to, to cold weather. I mean, we, we play in it every single day. So um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a tough game uh, as far as the weather goes last year at Ohio state. But with that being said, there's, there's no, uh, there's no excuses for, you know, that you can't, you can't point the finger at weather. It's, it's going to be there. There's some good days or some bad days weather-wise, but um, yeah, that's, it's definitely, definitely a factor in every game. Buckeyes are at the Irish two o'clock, the TSPN plus on Saturday. Take me back to point lookout. Uh, I used to go to the beach there. Um, my dad would take, take us to point lookout or Jones beach back when a time where the houses were basically summer houses uh, in Point Lookout. I, I, I don't think they were full year-round dwellings the way they are now, uh, yeah. the, the way that town has changed dramatically. Did you always live there? No. So I actually grew up in Massapequa, um, which is definitely a uh, big, big lacrosse town. I mean, um, there's a lot of guys that have come out of there that have had some some good success in college, like Kenny Brower on Duke's, one of my yeah. good friends. He's a Massapequa guy. Um, Garrett Gibbons, who I played this past weekend on Maryland, is a Massapequa guy. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of guys that have that have come out of Massapequa that have that have done well in college. They do a really good job with their uh, with their youth program. I, I think. was going to ask you because Kenny mentioned I had Kenny on this after the U20s this summer, and he yeah. mentioned the Massapequa program. He gave me a, a mascot. I forget what it was. The Massapequa mud dogs. Summer. Mud dogs. So were you mud a mud? Dog. Were you a Massapequa mud dog? I was a mud dog. Yes, I was. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very proud mud dog. There's 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 a you know, a lot of really good guys in that team, really good people. They do just, they do a great job. I think they do a great job developing kids um, and, and, and get them ready for the next level. I mean, I remember there was a bunch of spring tournaments and summer tournaments that'd be a part of um, on that team. And uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of guys that, I mean, my buddy, one of my best friends from my childhood, Sam Watfi, he's a Hofter guy. And we played mud dogs from, you know, basically the time we had the stick in our hands up until, um, eighth grade when you know I, I went to Chaminade and um, he stayed at Mass People but yeah Kenny Brower Garrett Gibbons is I mean there's a there's a whole whole list of guys you can list off that were that started off in Mass People and then um, as I got older my parent I'm an only child so I was kind of you know going to be leaving the nest pretty soon uh, in high school and my parents decided to uh, move to Point Lookout which is kind of you know to your point a bit of a quieter town um, more beach homes. It's definitely a little quieter in the winter, but in the summer, it definitely picks up because of, you know, because of how close it is to the beach and how much of a, you know, real beach town it is. So I definitely had uh, two very different experiences as far as the two towns I lived in, in my, you know, childhood and I guess early adult life, if you want to call it that. But um, yeah, definitely two great experiences in their own unique ways, for sure. Yeah. Massapequa, home of uh, Jerry Seinfeld and, and, uh, and others, uh, amazing point lookout, the way it just sits there, uh, uh, you know, on that inlet. And, and uh, like, that's, that's, as, that's a, as close to the beach as you'll get 
It, it reminds me of Southern California a little, the way you can just walk down. Yeah, it's it's definitely, uh, uh, it feels like kind of to your point, it feels like they just scooped a piece out of, you know, Fort Lauderdale or out of San Diego and, and threw it on, you know, Long Island. It's definitely different. Um, there's just, it's a real beach town. It doesn't really feel like a typical, uh, typical Long Island town. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, it's still a great place to to to, to live. And it's, it's cool seeing in the summer, like there's kids that are, you know, driving their bikes around town because the speed limit's like 15 miles an hour. So speeding cars isn't, obviously, it's always a bit of a bit of a threat, but it's not, you know, it's not like you're, you know, driving down, you know, Jericho Turnpike and people are going 50 miles an hour. So it's definitely nice for, you know, little kids to grow up there. And it's it's kind of cool seeing them, you know, practicing lacrosse, you know, in the, at the local park and just, you know, seeing them kind of, it feels weird sometimes like looking, looking at like high school kids or, you know, middle school kids like practicing. It's like, wow, like I was them at some point and um, just seeing that, that development. And, and it's really good. It's really good to see that. And that's uh, my lookout and mass people as well. The, the, the growth or not the growth, the, the success of the Catholic league now on long Island is, is uh, it's really off the charts and it always, it wasn't always that way. But it's it's become uh, St. Anthony's and Chaminade have, have become the two dominant powers right now in Nassau County and, and Suffolk County. Uh, they're, they're just securing great players and they're well coached. Uh, when you play a team like Duke, I mean, you're going to be playing against like guys you've been playing against since ninth grade. Uh, you know, it's like a St. Anthony Chaminade reunion game. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like that sometimes we were. Um, kind of joking around, like how cool would it be if one of those games ended up on, you know, at Shamat or St. Anthony's or Hofstra, like a neutral location type of thing. I mean, yeah, you can, you can go off, you can go on, listen to the names of, of guys in those two teams, like, you know, myself, uh, Riley Gray, the Kavanaugh brothers. Um, I mean, I think we have, I think we have nine guys on our team that are Shamad, you know, alumni, maybe even more. Um, and then St. Anthony's has, you know, O'Neill, McAdory, Denenza, um, I'm sure I'm, for, I'm forgetting a few people. Um, and then Vinny Fowler as well as a Chaminade guy. So he's, he's holding the fort down in, in uh, Durham for the, for the Chaminade guys. But yeah, there's definitely, definitely a strong group of guys on both teams. And I think, yeah, it's what you're, it's what you're saying earlier. I think that, you know, the, those two programs, Chaminade and St. Anthony's have done a great job developing guys and getting them ready for the next level. I think that there is, you, you can definitely see a good correlation between guys that have come from, uh, uh, Chaminade and, uh, St. Anthony's, um, doing, doing well in the next level. Liam, one thing I've noticed about Chaminade and the lacrosse, really competitive, like to make varsity is a big deal. Yeah. Guys generally sit until their junior year and learn the system, learn how to play and, and improve and, and do exceptionally well in college. But academically, like every student athlete that I've known out of Chaminade gets to college and they're college ready. They, 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 they can go to the Dukes and the Princetons and, and all these Notre Dames and the tough places and and fit in like right away what what is it academically about Chaminade that that stands out um I mean the first thing that come that comes to mind to answer that question is how they go about their final exams I mean at the time it seems like this is like like these people are psychotic like why are they doing this to us but because it's like five exams um three hours each and they're worth well, at least when I was there, I think they softened up a little bit and they're making it like 30% now. But at the time I was there, there were five exams in the span of a week, uh, three hours each, and they were worth half of your final grade. Ooh. So I think that that definitely gets you ready because massive pressure. It's, it, 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 it's everything. It's massive pressure. It's preparation. You know, 
prep. Yeah, it's massive prep, pressure, preparation, and the inevitable. No matter you know how disciplined you are, there's inevitably going to be a few late nights in college, just you know, because things back up, especially when you're a student athlete. You know, sometimes you're getting home at like 9 p.m. Um, after you know a long day of, of class and practice, and 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 then you know doing your own work and recovery stuff on the side. So, um, I've definitely had some of those, and I I find that Sham and I got me ready for that in that aspect. Because I mean, when it comes time for final exam week, it's it's not five exams all cumulative or with half of your grade. It's it's four exams or three exams because some of the other classes are paper based, um, and they're not cumulative because it's only on the semester basis in college, and they're not worth half of your final grades. Uh, I'm sorry, final grade. So um, everything the, the pressure is just toned down in general a little bit. Um, now, with that being said, you still got to take care of business in college and you still got to maintain a good GPA because, you know, it, you know, you need you need to have a good, 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 uh, good grades in order to get, you know, to where you want to be after college. So that, that's definitely emphasized. But I also think with that being said, with, you know, Shaman, I guess you ready for that as well. Like it's 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 not like lame to be smart there. It's it's not like, oh, like that kid's that kid's got a 98 average. Like what, a you know, what a loser. It's, it's quite the opposite. Like if you're if you're smart, you're probably doing something right. Is Notre Dame hard, easy, or middle? I would definitely say it's hard. I mean, it's definitely. Uh, I mean, Shaman got me ready for it, but that doesn't make it any less any less difficult. Um, I think that you know I've definitely been challenged here, um, not in a bad way, but definitely in a good way. Like intellectually, yeah. been challenged, and um, there's definitely a lot thrown at you. Like I said, with just sometimes it's just very long days. But you know, with that being said, it's also exactly what I was looking for. You know, it's it's hard. It's it's hard for me to like sit here and complain about it because it's exactly what I was looking for. It's been, you know, a school that I've always wanted to go to. And, you know, it's, it, you got to deal with, you know, you got to deal with the academic side if you want to be, be able to be a student athlete here. Uh, but yes, definitely, definitely hard at times, but that's, you know, kind of what I signed up for. Favorite class, all-time favorite class. Oh man. Um, favorite class. I would say there's this one professor that I really like um, professor marcio bahia and he teaches this very interesting like brazilian portuguese culture class that me and a few of my buddies are in right now um it's a great class to to both it, it's definitely like a not the typical class you take it's not like a so i'm a political science major so it's not like a typical political science class or a class i'm taking for like my minor like my business minor it's definitely uh different in that way, but nonetheless, you learn a lot and you're surrounded by, you know, uh, really great people. And the professor himself is a great guy. So I, I'd have to say that that's my favorite one. Uh, Ireland last summer, Team USA, you guys captured gold. Uh, I ca called the championship game. It looked like uh, it looked like it was pretty cool. What was what was uh, the most enjoyable part of that trip? Uh, I would say honestly, getting getting to know the other other countries, the people from the other countries, and that might that might sound pretty cliche, but it was something that I didn't really know what to expect going in because we had heard so many different things about. Like I think the uh, the tournament last time, like the the one that was in, I want to say it was in Canada, the one before Ireland, they were in like hotels and kind of secluded from the rest of the other countries. But we were in this like we were at, we played at a university, so we were basically in their dorm rooms and their townhouses, and the you know you were. Of, of a two like literally like a 20 second walk away from where the Japanese kids were staying and uh the Kenyan kids the Ugandan kids the um Puerto Rican kids and it was just really good to 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 you know 
meet them and, 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 and learn about, you know, different ways that they go about their lives and their, and their different cultures. And it was also pretty cool and honestly pretty rewarding that I, I had no idea that like they even followed lacrosse in America. Like I remember one kid said, hi, like, Oh, like, Oh, you're the nerd aim goalie. I was like, uh, yeah, I, I I had no idea they even followed. Like they, you know. they they watch. I, I get emails every now and then from across the pond or, or wherever they watch. Yeah, I, exactly. Yeah, so I I had no idea. So that was pretty rewarding being able to kind of pay it forward and 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 you know I guess show show especially the goal. I remember like one thing that stands out to me is the Japanese goalies were very very uh, interested in what me and and Jared Paquette, who was the the, the Yale, he was the he's he, me and him were the two goalies, and they were very. Um, I don't know what the right word is, but they're asking a lot of questions and a lot of good Techn questions. Aren't they? Aren't they very technical? They've always been technical. Uh, yeah, they, they're asking a lot. Yeah, they're asking like like how do you play this angle and how do yeah. you you know how do you do this how do you do that? And it was really cool to, to be able to pay that forward and and teach them teach them something that maybe they just because of you know maybe lacrosse isn't as developed um, as far as how many people play it or how many people are coaching it. Like being able to kind of pay them pay them forward uh, pay it forward a few a few things uh, was definitely rewarding. Um, it was also really cool. I think, I believe it was uh, team Uganda. We, we were on the sidelines for their first ever goal in any competitive match, like in any form. So that was really rewarding to be able to see that and, and just, uh, be a part of the, the, the different cultures that were there. And I mean, and certainly be able to compete, you know, it was, it was incredible playing with USA on your chest and playing against teams like Canada and the Hawk and the Shawnee. Um, and just the different playing styles. I mean, the whole, the whole event overall was incredible. And I, I, it's definitely, definitely said, you know, stands out as one of the most special things I've been able to be a part of. I spent two weeks in Japan after graduating college, uh, coaching lacrosse a week in Tokyo and a week in, uh, the old capital, uh, Osaka, I think, mm -hmm. but they had studied motion offense. Okay. So, so, so they were running a motion offense and they would honestly throw the ball around for three minutes and eventually yeah. They would not go to the goal. That's how technical they were following this motion offense. Like, no, oh, the goal of this offense is to, you know, eventually score a goal. So I had to institute a shot clock. Uh, again, they, oh, they, gotcha. they, 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 they love the technical side of it. You know, like yeah. the master, the tech, like, no, the goal here is to score. Uh, you, we don't, we don't, it was, it was, uh, it was a challenging trip. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about Notre Dame football quarterback, Tyler Buckner. Uh, last I saw him on a lacrosse field, it was the World Series of Youth Lacrosse. I think he was 12 or 13 years old, and he was by far the best player. Does really? uh, does he have any contact with Notre Dame lacrosse through through, through you guys? Uh, or, or, or does he still own a stick? I've never met him personally. He's a few years younger than me. Um, there was a few guys, like a kid, Jonathan Ford, on my team, who's uh, – I think he played club with him, I want to say – uh, he knows him him decently well. A few guys on my team know him um, that are that are uh, Cali guys, but I've never met him personally. But I did. It's funny you say that because I have I have heard that he was he was like a absolute stud before he started playing quarterback or or, or devoted his time to quarterback. So um, yes, yeah, so I don't know. I've I've never met him personally. I've never I've never uh, seen him doing any reps on our lot or anything like that. But yeah, I, I heard when he was when he was you know all in on lacrosse that he, he was a stud. During COVID, Coach Corrigan was walking to practice every day, and he looked fantastic by the end of the year. Uh, they had a nice tan, and he was all thin. Is he? Is he still? Is he still walking to practice? I'm not sure if he's walking to practice. He, I know, I know that he he grew the uh, grew the flow out for my sophomore year, the COVID year. He definitely had, uh, um, definitely grew his hair out pretty long. Uh, I think he um, has since cut it, but yeah, I think he's definitely. I think he likes that. You know, uh, walking 
you know, around town or I saw him, I was working a prospect day over the summer and I was, saw, I saw him like biking to, to our lot of from home. So he definitely, definitely likes getting, uh, getting his steps in or getting, getting some bike reps in. Um, but yeah, and I mean, it's hard, it's hard for anyone to stay, to stay tan when you're in South End. you got the permacloud out. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, when, once it gets a little bit nicer out that, you know, we're all, we'll all get a little, a uh, little more tan. <laughs> What have uh, Chris Fake and Brian Tevlin uh, imported from the Yale program that's that's worth uh, that's that's added to 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 the experience in, in South Bend? I mean, to st- for starters, they're just great guys to have in the locker room. They're they're very funny people. They're very uh, very down to earth. I mean, they've they've accomplished a lot, um, but they don't. You know, you would never know. Basically, they're very very down to earth people. Um, great additions on the field. Great additions in the locker room. I think that. You know, they, the thing that I think the biggest thing they bring to the table is the experience in the late May run. I think that that's what stands out. Um, I mean, you have they, they won a championship when they were freshmen and we're both, you know, if I remember correctly, key contributors to that team as freshmen. Uh, and then sophomores, they, you know, they lost in the championship game, but nonetheless, they were there and they had got they, you know, they were right there at the finish line. Um, so there's there's two deep championship runs um, that they were a part of. And I think that. You know, aside from being really good players, I mean, you know, a lot of teams have a lot of really good players, but the maturity that they bring to the table being, you know, um, grad students and 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 kind of being being around for a while and and seeing different things and interacting with different people um, throughout their throughout their time in college and throughout their time at Yale. I think that they are are both very um, informed, I guess, is the best way to put it on what it takes to get to Memorial Day. I've heard Brian can actually play the bagpipe. Yes, Uh, that would be cool if Ross Bergmaster and and uh, Brian Tevlin went, you know, uh, dueling bagpipes out of the locker room. Yeah, I've only seen seen Ross this year. He's he's doing great. He's much improved. Yeah, he sounds he sounds wonderful. But having two guys, that would be that would be sick. Yeah, I I think so for sure. I mean, I think that uh, I've heard Tevlin can play pretty good pretty good uh, bagpipes, but. I mean, I think that he's, I think he respects Ross, that it's Ross's show and Ross has done a great job. I mean, that, that's a hard thing. I mean, I, my understanding of it is, is that the bagpipes get passed down and essentially you walk in the locker room one day and, and they're in your locker. And that means that you're the new bagpiper. So really? Ross, wow. had to, Ross had to spend the summer and the fall kind of learning it last year. And I think he's been crushing it. I mean, he's a great guy to, great guy to lead us out. That's for sure. He's, he's very well liked and, and works very hard and he's a great teammate. So definitely, definitely a great guy to lead us out every game. So the Kavanaugh brothers love them, have so much respect for how hard they play, the spirit they bring, their effort, the way they celebrate, the way they just they just fight their guts out. Uh, are there ever times where you do, you got to like take them aside and practice and say, "Calm the heck down." Um, <laughs> or no, I mean, they definitely play pretty hard. I think you know. I mean, there's times in general where you know, say it's like a you know the, the day before the game, and we're not going completely full speed because we want, you know, save the legs and stuff, but that that's not directed at the Kavanaugh brothers. I mean, everyone knows that when the time comes that, you know, they're going to, they're going to play their hearts out and they're going to get, you know, every ground ball and ride the opposing defense really hard and, 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 and make the plays that the team needs them to make. But um, guys like that, agree. I wouldn't say there's any they, time. They, they raise, they raise the level of intensity in everything oh, yes. you do for in sure. every drill for every defender, for you, yeah. for, I mean, you just, you just, it becomes part of the way you practice because they're bringing it every single day. For sure. I mean, I think, it, I think it's really easy. I mean, you know, Pat's been 
you know, I think one of the one of the bigger you want to call it bigger names in college across and one of the more accomplished people in college across since his freshman year. And certainly when he, when he kind of broke out as a sophomore um, and, you know, Chris, same thing, Chris has taken a great leap. Um, so I think, I think it could be really easy for them sometimes to, I mean, not that our team would necessarily be cool with it, but I think that they could really easily take the kind of the diva position and say like, Oh, I'm, I'm the best. And so I'm not going to do this drill or I'm the best. So I'm not going to you know ride as hard, but it's quite the opposite. I mean, we look at, look at Pat, he's our, he's our best player. And he's the one that, you know, gets the be- the most ground balls and, and makes the grittiest plays. So there's no, there's no uh, sense of being like affected by any of their success or any of their, any of their publicity. It, it's quite the opposite. It's, it's almost like, yeah, that, that, that's cool. But you know, what, what play do I have to make to help the team win? So I think that like, to your point, what you're just saying, like how that kind of just spread throughout the locker room, like if, all right, well, if our, if our best player is, is, is has has zero complacency like you know i have no reason to be complacent whatsoever uh how do you uh handle as a goaltender uh the mental side of it and and uh making big saves giving up a bad goal uh the tendency to judge and grade your own performances during a game like how how do you stay in line with uh the right mental mental frame as opposed to maybe overthinking things yeah I mean that that's definitely something I um I have had to develop since my sophomore since my freshman year and then my sophomore year which is my first you know full season because COVID cut my freshman year short but definitely something I've developed and something I'm still still working on I think that um it's it's hard to do honestly because because I'm very hard on myself I'm very competitive and I think that I'm I have have always been and will always be my harshest critic you know I don't really need someone to to say, you know, to kind of kick me and say, like, oh, like, you know, you got to play better. I'm usually the first one to be kind of just kicking myself, which I think is a good thing and can also be a bad thing if you let it get to you. So with that being said, I've had to really try to stay even keeled, stay poised. And and as cliche it is, as it is, like maybe it's cliche for a reason, like that next shot, that's all that matters. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think back to uh, last year, um the last game of the season versus Duke, I let in nine goals in one quarter, which is not good. Like that's obviously terrible. And I'm, I I know for sure that if that had happened my sophomore year, I would have crumbled because I hadn't had the maturity. I hadn't had the experience at that point. Um, and I would have just been like, wow, like I'm, I'm terrible today. Like this is just not my day. And because of, I think because of the, 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 the development that I've had and, and the, I think the emphasis that I put on that development I was able to bounce back and have a much better second half of that game. Um, but I think just in general, you got to, you got to realize that there's going to be ebbs and flows and there's going to be times where you, you know, I think great examples this past weekend, I didn't let in a single goal in the second quarter and then I didn't make a save in the third quarter. And that's not because I went from being a great goalie to a terrible goalie in the span of, you know, one quarter in that one weekend. It's just the situations that you're in. Sometimes it lends itself to, you know, putting up a career day and making 25 saves or whatever, whatever it is. And then there's some times where, you know, you, you got to make a, a dozen saves and, and be at 50%. And that's what, that's what you need to do to help the team win. And I've, I've come to realize that. And I've also come to realize that, you know, stats are cool and, 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 you know, putting up big numbers is cool. But the reality is, is that when, you know, when you look back at your time, you're not going to be like, Oh, well, I was, you know, I was an all American or I was all ACC or anything like that. It's just like, did I help the, did I help the boys win or not? And that that's really all that matters. And, I think that that's something that we're really trying to emphasize this year. And as far as the culture in our locker room, like it does not matter if you, you know, 
were on the stat sheet, not on the stat sheet? Did you make the play that everyone's talking about? Or did you make the play that led to the play that everyone's talking about? Like, did you help the boys win or not? And I think it's just a very black or white question. And if, you know, it's basically, are you doing your job or not? And, you know, I like to think that I, you know, I do, I try my best to do my job and that, that's really at the end of the day, all that matters to me. All the other stuff is just extra. Did you try really hard? Yeah. And that next shot mentality, uh, yeah. regardless of success or failure, it's all about the next shot. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, well, Liam, I appreciate your time today. Good luck. Uh, the next two weeks, non-conference games. And I'm sure I'll see a lot of you during the ACC season. I looked through the ACC. You guys have double ups with Virginia and North Carolina, which is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, you'll play the uh, Cavaliers on the 25th of March. Ohio State, uh, not going to be as cold, I can imagine, this week for, for that game. And then Michigan the following week uh, before we get into full-time uh, ACC season. Uh, good luck on your midterms. Thank you. Appreciate and, it. Uh, and, and good luck babysitting the Kavanaugh's and, and the Yale transfer. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate the time. Thank you for having me on.